Welcome to issue 20 of DC Primetime from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck, and I'm coming to you solo right now, only for a few moments, and that's pretty much just to tell you about this week's issue. Uh, Now, as we've been talking about for the past couple weeks, this week's issue is going to be something a little bit different uh, in that the shows have ended, the shows have all wrapped, we had our finales, we talked about the finales of Arrow and Flash last week. Uh, so therefore, no episodes to talk about this week, uh, but it came in perfect timing, uh, as we've been mentioning over the course of the past couple weeks. Uh, this week here in the Philadelphia area where we record and we uh, post from uh, was Wizard World in Philadelphia at the Convention Center, and a special thanks goes out to Wizard World for allowing us to come out and be a part of Wizard World and cover the event as press, which was a lot of fun. I'm actually just getting home from Wizard World right now in order to do this so we can get this podcast up and in time. Uh, But this past Saturday night, uh, Rob Martin from the Caffeine Crew and myself were on a panel at at Wizard World, that panel being a DC versus Marvel panel. Uh, It was a huge turnout. It was a big room, and the room was full. So we absolutely appreciate any of you out there that are listening that happened to be in the audience that night uh, and anybody who is going to be listening to now. So uh, as we promised for the past couple weeks, since we didn't have any new episode to record, this week's issue of DC Primetime Issue 20 is going to be the audio from that panel. Uh, It runs about 45 minutes, so you're going to hear the panel in full, and I want to apologize ahead of time for any kind of audio issues. I know there is one point during the panel uh, that we went to the audience for a question, or a comment rather. Uh, The gentleman was not mic'd, so you're not going to be able to hear him, so there's going to be a couple seconds of what sounds like silence. Uh, Unfortunately, there's no way to recover that because, again, the gentleman was not mic'd, so we do apologize for that ahead of time. And, of course, any issues. Some people appear louder than others, but that's just the way the, the uh, the audio was unfortunately recorded. Uh, again, a special thanks goes out as well to our f- friend Tony Kim, uh, who you, you can follow. He was our moderator of the panel. You can follow him on Twitter, and we highly encourage that you do, at Crazy4, the number four, at Crazy4 Comic Con. Uh, he travels the country moderating panels all over the country, including San Diego Comic Con, Wizard World. He's the hardest working man for Wizard World, and we absolutely appreciate the fact that he included us in his panel this year. Uh, so. As we mentioned, this upcoming issue is going to be the full audio of that panel. I don't mean to be long-winded about this, but we also got an opportunity. My co-host Adam from the Showcast and I had an opportunity to do something really cool Thursday night, and that was we attended a red carpet screening of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 in which we actually got to interview Stephen Amell on the red carpet. It was only for a couple minutes. Uh, So as a special treat, after this issue... It's going to be like a little bit of post thing. Uh, We're going to play the panel in full, as I mentioned, for about 40 to 45 minutes. And then after that, after the ending music hits, stay uh, um, part of the podcast because uh, we're going to play that three or four minute interview of uh, my co-host Adam interviewing Stephen Amell on the red carpet, talking about Turtles and Arrow, as well as a number of other things. So we hope you enjoy the audio from this panel. Uh, feel free to contact us at any time, uh, DC primetime at next level radio online.com should be sure to follow us on Twitter at NXT level radio, which is the next level podcast network, next level radio online.com. And of course at the caffeine crew for Rob, as well as, uh, the caffeine crew at gmail.com is where you can contact him as well. So without further ado, here it is the audio from our panel at Wizard World Comic Con, Philadelphia, 2016. Right for a 
website called Crazy for Comic Con, or I about comic conventions, geek culture, all things nerdy. And I love this conversation. Actually, I've actually had this panel uh, maybe four or five times already over the past year. And as you guys know, so much is happening in both the Marvel and DC universe. And so this typically ends to be a very lively discussion. And uh, to no surprise to anyone, very feel very passionate about this topic. And so um, we kind of framed it in a versus sort of thing, but we all know that no one, you know, everyone wins at the end. And so we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to talk about really this this uh, last few months of Marvel TV or Marvel and DC films. And uh, yes, we're having a great time. Uh, let's start at the end here. Let's do some quick introductions. Chris, who are you and why are you, are you here? Um, I am Chris Mannix, not to be confused with the Sports Illustrated writer or the character from Hateful Eight. It's hell to try to Google myself. Uh, but no, I'm the owner operator of nerd-base.com. Nerdbase.co on Twitter, and we're live tweeting, so you can tell your friends. We're live streaming, Facebook, anyway. And you have to pick. <laughs> I'm forcing you to choose one or the other. Oh, Marvel. Oh, Marvel? First two comic books I ever bought were Marvel, Star Wars and Spider-Man. Okay, right on. All right. Okay. I'm too short to go there. Uh, I'm Lindy, and I am co-owner creator of purefandom.com. I think I recognize some of you guys from some of our panels. Hello. Um, and we are a sci-fi film, TV show, comics, any kind of fandom website, app, basically a place for fans to just geek out and have fun with uh, whatever they love. Good. Okay. Uh, Marvel, what do you see? Uh, Marvel. Marvel. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Two for the, two for the right now. And uh, I'm Rob Martin, um, and I help run uh, CaffeineCrew.com. Uh, it's a kind of geek culture pod- uh, podcast that we do over there that's monthly. And uh, also I'm the co-host on DC Primetime with Ben here. And, uh, yeah, um, big, huge DC fan. So. I'm sorry, DC? DC. Great, okay. So. Uh, my name is Ben Beck. I am the sorry. I am the co-creator of the Next Level Podcast Network based out of here in the Philadelphia area. A uh, number of different podcasts on there, including, as Rob had mentioned, DC Primetime, which discusses the DC television shows. Uh, another podcast in which we do celebrity interviews, fitness. We run the gambit in the number of different podcasts that we have. Um, choosing Marvel versus DC. I didn't know we had to do this. Did this uh, but if You're I wearing had... a flash shirt. <laughs> Reverse flash. Um, but see, that's not, that's so difficult because television, I go one way. Stop it, Craig. Uh, film, I go another. But if I go from early childhood, I'd have to say more. Marvel, okay. Three to one right now. Mm. Hello, my name is Craig Guns, and uh, why I'm here, I took a wrong turn. I thought this was the bathroom, but um, I'm going to stay and give my opinion. Uh, I'm up here often on the President Steve show. Um, I'm one of the only black listeners they have. Um, thank you for being here and not being at their panel, so I appreciate everyone who is here. I'm also a professional guest on many podcasts, like these guys. I've been on the show several times. Hopefully so I have my own podcast. Before that, I'm an actor, and I do my own one-man show called My Life in 19 Inches. And because everyone said Marvel, I will, of course, say DC. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> and look at that. I'm, I'm, DC, I'm a DC fan at heart as well, so we have a three-on-three panel. This is like... Could have planned this. Could have planned it. Civil War. I didn't plan it. Civil War. Civil War. So let's start off with, you know, the uh, as we all know, the reason why Comic Con is all these comic conventions are blowing up. A large reason why is, of course, at the heart of it, comics uh, have done has I mean, been incredible decades and decades. uh, The comic industry has inspired so much of TV and film. But it largely is the the movie specifically the cinematic universe that has really like kickstarted this whole renaissance of superheroes, and so we'll kind of focus on the the cinematic universe, but we'll dive deep into like some TV and whatnot. Um, but let's talk specifically about DC. Uh, we all know that Marvel has uh, rolled the roost for quite some time now, over a decade, and DC has been talking about, talking about, talking about, and talking about uh, all these films. Uh, they had a little bit of a misstep with uh, Green Lantern, and anyone um, <laughs> here, not that we're going to judge, but we're going to judge, um, like defend the Green Lantern film here. Anyone just love it? Look, you love it? You love it? Okay, we're not going to Was it that bad? Okay. No. There's been worse. <laughs> but I think there was a lot of hope and expectation from, from DC fans that it would kickstart the universe just like the Marvel universe. 
But now we got we got Man of Steel, and then we got, of course, recently Batman v Superman. And you know, there was it's very polarizing what we got as far as critic reaction, fan reaction. And so uh, I'm gonna throw it out to you guys and tell me what did you think of Batman v Superman and strength and the weakness? Go, somebody. Uh, Rob, ben. <laughs> um, I gotta say, it was amazing seeing the Trinity on screen for the first time. I think there was one of those moments it was impossible to not ignore. It was exciting. I mean, yes, the movie definitely had tons of pacing issues. I mean, there was the dream sequence I think we all looked at and were like, why is this here? That felt like it should have been a three-minute stinger, not 15 to almost 20 minutes of a movie that made everybody scratch their heads and be like, was that The Flash? I'm not quite sure. When you have DC fans in a theater looking at that moment and not quite sure who they're looking at, I think it kind of scares you a little bit. And they have a lot of, I think, missteps that they made that they're now going to have to answer for. A lot of people were really angry that we have a Batman that was killing. Um, so how do they walk away from that? How do they make Superman hopeful? You know, There's a lot of things that they fixed with DC Rebirth that I think we're now going to look at. He was a murder machine. Yeah. Just up. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Between the character, <laughs> between the characters of Batman and Superman, though, I can be more accepting of Batman killing. He's a darker character. Superman, however, you know, you you call Green Lantern a misstep. Man of Steel was a huge misstep for me. I have so many issues with Man of Steel. So, but Batman, I can get around him killing. I mean, he's a darker character. That's that's kind of I, I can see it fitting more into his character than Superman. But Superman. I have so many issues with Cavill looks the part, his personality's not the part, and for God's sake, somebody needs to show him manscaping, because all this chest hair popping out of the of the spandex gets on my nerves. Bothers me. All right, then. Uh, little things. No, I just think that, oh, sorry. My personal opinion, I think the one thing that uh, DC has lacked so far in these movies that it really should put more focus on is the fact that these are super heroes and when you think of heroes you think of hope you think of positive feelings and it just seemed like these movies have been drained of all of that when i watch it i don't i didn't feel any joy i didn't feel any pride in watching these heroes that i've enjoyed since childhood on the screen i just felt like it was too dark and devoid of any real happiness that we want from our heroes yeah, Superman felt like uh, he was like the world janitor. He was like cleaning things up. He's like, dang it, all right. He's like saving rockets or whatever. So. The, yeah. the problem with Batman versus Superman for me was the director, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is great at filming fight scenes, and the fight scenes of Batman versus Superman were great. The fight scene in Batman was maybe the best Batman fight scene out of all the Nolan films. But the problem with Zack Snyder directing this film is he was not a comic book fan. I think he saw the end of the, he picked up a comic, uh, uh, Return of the Dark Knight, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, looked at the last page of the fourth chapter novel and said, oh, Batman and Superman fight, I'll make a movie about that, and that'll be the focus of the movie. Oh, wait, you know what else I like? I like Doomsday, let's put that in the film. Oh, 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 you know what? I like the death of Superman thought. We'll put that in the film, too, and we'll make all that into one film and stick in Wonder Woman and try to jam in the Flash and then stick in a little cyborg and just a hint of Aquaman and we'll put it all together and we'll get everyone caring about DC movies again. That's what was wrong with the film. All right. Mike, there you go. There you go. I can't really top that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said about it being too dark, kind of devoid of you know, happiness and hope and all that. And, I mean, like you said, Marvel's kind of been killing it. In, in this arena, and they've got a completely different tone. You know, they've, they've got the comedy that they interject. They've got the lightheartedness. They've got the happiness and the hope. And that's what we've come to love, and that's what we've come to especially be used to over the last, especially, decade. So, you know, then, then we have a movie like this that's way, way dark, and I think that makes it harder also. I've heard some people say, some, some writers say that it kind of was a movie for the hardcore comic fan, but I don't know how to feel about that. What for me? I mean, what do you guys think? Is it like it's not because it's pulling from from sources, from right sources? But I think when you look at like Marvel and they take something like Civil War, they're adapting a story that people know and love. They're adapting like six stories in this, and then coming up with their own. And I think that's the problem: is you don't get to focus on the heart of one story or even work around those ideas. You're trying to mesh all these stories that have so much history together 
that you don't ever get the purpose and the point of any of any specific one. It's it, it's almost sort of the um, the mantra or the cook that too many ingredients can spoil the entree, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. Less ingredients, simple recipe, you've got a hit, and it's way too much. Not to mention the fact that Batman versus Superman, the first meeting of these two characters, is one of the largest storylines in DC. The death of Superman, first in Doomsday, is another one. You're taking two large storylines that could have been movies in their own, if not multiple movies continued on, and you're shoving them into two and a half hours. And not only that, but the movies titled Batman versus Superman, they don't share that much screen time. And it's not until the end that you finally get it. A two and a half hour long movie, there's maybe, what, ten minutes of shared screen time through the whole movie? Yeah. So. It's good thing they, their moms were the same name. Same name. Martha. If one was like June or something like that, we're all screwed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, I know we're very negative about it, but you know, we, if DC were to walk in and say, hey, what's redeemable from Batman v Superman? Because it wasn't all bad, but I think we're kind of like emotionally sort of like worked up about some things that, that we see. But do they continue with the uh, sort of somber, morose sort of, you know, uh, angsty sort of thing? Or, I mean, a lot of uh, great, what did you guys think of Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah. Okay, Wonder Woman, great. Uh, so, like, what are some of the high points that you feel like that DC kind of learned from this movie? Take, take with them. The one redeeming uh, thing that came out of Batman vs. Superman was Ben Affleck. The one thing that I think all of us had the most, uh, were, were most worried about, most critical of, Batman vs. Superman made me want a standalone Ben Affleck Batman movie. And we're getting it. And, you know, and we're getting it. Yeah. More, more than any Batman movie I've ever seen. This is, that's the kind of Batman that, you know, we, I'd want to see. But a standalone of Batman, uh, and obviously Gal Gadot was Wonder Woman. Or the two redeemable things about the film. I don't know, I'm a Clooney fan myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone else? So you like nipples on uniforms? Of course. No. <laughs> I, I thought Lex Luthor was great in the movie. Oh my god. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. <Terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say a bad word to describe it, but I see kids out there, yeah. so I'm going to just. <laughs> what do you think? You think? Is that it? I'm in, a, I'm in agreement. I think I was one of the people that was, I was in the minority that when they announced Ben Affleck as Batman, I was very excited because I, a lot of people blame Ben Affleck for Daredevil. Ben Affleck was not to blame for Daredevil. The writers were to blame for Daredevil. Affleck worked, did the best with what he had. Uh, I thought Affleck was going to kill it as Batman, and I was happy to be right. So I think, I, I think he's the best thing to come out of it, other than Gal Gadot. But let's be honest, though. I mean, Batman was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> Affleck? Sorry, nobody got that. It's Affleck. <laughs> he did. Uh, what did you guys think? Does anyone here, uh, uh, when it comes to Ben Affleck, like maybe you prefer to see a new Batman in the future? You guys are good with Ben? <laughs> yeah, now they are. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think <laughs> we, we need yet another one ago. within a oh, decade. For the time being, it's okay? <laughs> all right, all right, we'll do Remember what happened last time? They kept giving us new Batman's every other film. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, last thing about Batman Superman, um, uh, I, love, I love how uh, in the like critical point of the movie, uh, Gal Gadot gets like I am by Batman, and, <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, she starts clicking on you know these files to you know see all these heroes. Um, what do you think about what we saw of Flash, uh, Aquaman, Cyborg? Anything cool there? Was it pretty, did, did you get excited over that? Uh, I think, honestly, one of the trickiest things is right now, I think for a lot of us, Grant Gustin's our Flash, so it's going to be really, really hard to right. accept somebody else right now. I yeah. think that's going to be one of the hardest things for me when they hit Justice League. But, I mean, like, you know, Jason Momoa looked interesting. I'm curious on what that Aquaman's going to be. Um you know, the Wonder Woman movie and, you know, Chris Pine is Steve Trevor. I, I'm excited about those things. I generally really am. Um, like uh, Aquaman looked like he was in a L'Oreal commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like Chris, like you, man, kind of had to... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, anyone else? Flash, Cyborg, anything else? Uh, the introduction of the rest of the Justice League in Batman vs. Superman was something that worried me yeah. because I thought, again, it was packing too many ingredients into it. But actually, that's one thing I was happy with. They they gave us just enough 
to introduce these characters into the universe to show they exist, and they moved on. They didn't do anything else with it, with the exception of the Flash, which we saw in dream sequence. But everything else, I was that was actually one of the things I was pleased with. Yeah, okay. yeah I, do, I agree with you. It's going to be hard for people to rally around a new Flash because people are so, you know, tied to Grant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see people. TV is kind of our jam, so I just I don't know. I see so many fans upset about that that I don't know. I think people aren't excited about it now. They'll have to be really amazing. And yeah, Flash will have to be really see. amazing. Our TV Flash. I know. Yeah. Wouldn't you guys? Yeah. TV Flash? Yeah. Well, not yeah. only that, but they have the audience already yeah. that they would bring over to the cinematic universe. Absolutely. Yeah, I think even uh, the Graham Smith uh, script, they even mentioned like the cast that they were looking for was, you know, a Leonard Snart, uh, you know, a reverse Flash, and we have to start over from scratch now with these people. You know, again, we've followed these stories, and it's it's going to be almost impossible to start fresh in everybody's brain. Okay, let's shift here. So we can keep talking about this, but uh, coming out about the same time, or at least a little bit before this, uh, was the, the Deadpool movie. And Deadpool was a huge surprise, right? We all, when they announced it, it was kind of like, oh, really? Are they going to make that? How's that, how's that going to work? And, um, you know, I think we all went in thinking that is this going to kind of be like, you know, just a one-trick pony or whatever, one-trick one uh, unicorn. Um, <laughs> But it ended up being, I think, a huge surprise. It did incredibly well. In fact, domestically, it beat Batman v Superman. Um, but I think it's sort of a game changer, right? Like, it, it brought in really a successful uh, R-rated modern-day superhero movie. Um, what are your thoughts on that, the ramifications of it, the direction that it might take, and how it may influence the whole superhero genre? I just want to say that their marketing and their promos were brilliant, brilliant and that's yeah. something that they did so well, and I think you know other franchises really need to take note of that because it makes a serious difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's like its own little brand, and I think that's something that other yeah franchises need to focus on. I think one of the reasons why the movie was so good was because the movie, while it's it's raunchy and it's filthy, it it had heart behind it. But that's because this was a pet project of Ryan Reynolds. This is a movie he'd been trying to make for what ten years. And, and he made it what was that? yeah close to yeah, it yeah. And, and he made it when he finally got to made it, make it he made it his way so there was a lot of heart behind this film even though it was as raunchy as it was uh, so I, I think we need to see more of that when it comes to films it, the production companies take too much control of these things and that's why a, a movie like Dare, uh, um, Daredevil I don't want to compare it to that <laughs> uh, Deadpool was so good it was because Ryan Reynolds had a majority of the control I think another very strong point uh, in favor of the Deadpool movie and its success was the fact that, like when Iron Man came out and a lot of the other Marvel movies, is that one thing that they did better than anything else was they stayed true to the heart of the character. They, they, they didn't try to change it and manipulate the character to fit a general audience. They said, all right, we're going to give this character that millions of people already love to another audience that may not know it, but we're not going to change him. They kept him who he was, they gave it to a new audience, and now you have millions more people that might head to the local comic book store to pick up a Deadpool comic, you know, just like when Iron Man came out. Robert Downey Jr. was Tony Stark, is Tony Stark, better than anybody else that has ever done it, and comic book sales skyrocketed. A lot of struggling comic book shops that may have been closing suddenly found a new audience that were brought into them and the people weren't turned away by the fact when they read the comics suddenly like, oh, this isn't the guy I just saw in the movie. What is, what's going on here? You know, they were still given the same character. I think that's where they really succeeded and I think that's very, what's good about, you know, DC's um, TV show universe is that the one thing they're doing better than anybody else right now is they're staying true to the characters. They're staying true to the heart of the characters, who the characters are, what makes us love them and I think going back to BBS is they took that away and they tried to give us something that the audiences they thought the audiences would like and they kind of like maybe we failed a little bit you know so I I, I really think Deadpool excelled in that and didn't pull any punches and just gave us the Deadpool love it or leave it that we got in the comics 
gates will open up the vaults or open up the window to what's now going to be R-rated superhero movies. And Deadpool was a game changer because if you if you know anyone that's, that's never seen a superhero movie, take them to see Deadpool because Deadpool is the perfect superhero movie for someone who's never seen a superhero movie. Don't take your kids at all, <laughs> but take them when mommy and daddy can get a sitter and mommy's never liked a superhero movie, take her to see Deadpool because it's not only just a fun movie that will tell you right from the, this is not your traditional superhero movie, it's a break the fourth wall, talk to you the camera, it's like, did I leave the stove on? It's like, I know what you're thinking, watch Superhero Man, boom, hurts the knees. That kind of stuff. The character is talking to you, is talking to us. We're thinking the exact same thing that the, the title character is. Deadpool is the quintessential superhero movie that you want to, to present to someone who's never seen a superhero film. And what Marvel has done is make, and through Ryan Reynolds, make this film a game changer. So now the next Wolverine movie is an R-rated movie. The next Batman animated release is now R-rated. Now you're going to see R-rated superhero movies jumping up left and right because of Deadpool. Well, and they are coming out with the Batman v Superman three-hour edition that's R-rated as well. What a surprise. Does so anyone ever want to see that? I don't want to see that. It's, it's, another, it's another hour of Batman v Superman. It's another <laughs> hour of the movie you care less about in the first place. Um, I'm curious, though, as a result of Deadpool, did anyone... Uh, I'm sure we all became more of a Deadpool fan, but did anyone go buy like a Deadpool comic as a result to kind of... Learn more about the character. Just curious, anybody? Anybody? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got to get you ready for the movie. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so let's move on to uh, Civil War. Uh, Cap- I think Captain America. You know, the timing of how Captain America came out was really perfect. I mean, coming off of Batman v Superman and people having the the mixed reaction of this sort of a hero versus hero sort of genre within superhero movies. Um, and Captain America coming in with uh, really having a great opportunity to really compare and contrast what Marvel is all about. Um, as we all know, Marvel's done, it was an incredible uh, run in the theaters, breaking all kinds of records, and uh, people putting it into conversation that's one of the best Marvel films ever made. Um, you guys share that sentiment? Do you feel like it's within the top one or two, maybe three? Yep. Yeah, top three. Top uh, three. Best yeah. thing to come out of we, we know the action sequences were great and all that, but what do you feel like was the best part of Civil War? Spider-Man. I think, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Did, did everybody here see it? Yeah. Everybody saw it? Okay. okay. Spoiler alert. I mean, everybody says Spider-Man, but as much, I'm a, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Giant Man. Yes. Giant Man, when that happened, as soon as he said, oh, I gotta try something in the movie, I was like, <laughs> I, like I, I honestly think I squealed and maybe cried a little bit. Holy crap, that was so good. That was so awesome. I, I, I flipped when he grew, and yes, best part of that movie. It's so great that they didn't tease that or share that. No, that, that, that's what was brilliant. Oh, and uh, in regards to keeping characters as their comic book counterparts breakout character of that movie hands down Black Panther holy cow mm-hmm. oh my god they they did not pull him back at all and he he I love him in the comics and the fact that I was worried that they were going to sort of downplay him a little bit they did not they made him just as powerful and as strong as he should be and yes yeah. so. uh, you, you mentioned the trailer how they didn't show uh, Giant Man in the trailer. There is one thing, though, that I will, I, I do want to praise Marvel on. There's many things I want to praise Marvel on, but one thing in particular uh, that I know a lot of people, Marvel got a lot of flack for. Shortly, a couple weeks before the movie came out, there were no trailers that had Spider-Man. Nobody knew what Spider-Man looked like other than leaked pictures and things like that. Uh, until finally we saw the one trailer in which he comes down at the end of the trailer, and that's it. That's all you see of him until the movie. There was a lot of people that complained that they waited too long to show us Spider-Man. I'm of the mind that that was brilliant promotion because it was at the time that Batman versus Superman was opening that weekend. Marvel releases that trailer. Guess what nobody's talking about now? They're not talking about Batman versus Superman anymore. Marvel stole the spotlight from Batman versus Superman on opening weekend. That was an ace up their sleeve. 
That was brilliant marketing. Yeah. I will say that um, the way that you can see just from Captain, uh, Captain America Civil War versus Batman versus Superman, both films were supposed to be tenfold for the, for the franchise. Both films introduced new characters, but with Civil War, between Spider-Man, 10 minutes of screen time, Tom Holland, who just turned 20 last week, happy birthday, Tom, you can hear me, um, did, was a better Spider-Man in those 10 minutes than the last three Spider-Men combined. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. <laughs> between Spider-Man and Black Panther, and it sucks that we have to wait two years until 2018 to see a Black Panther movie, but those two characters, as everyone talking about it right now, uh, Superman, uh, Batman vs. Superman introduced Wonder Woman that we're, we're pretty stoked about, but the way that Marvel introduced Spider-Man and Black Panther in one, in one film, that's how you introduce a character. That's how you get them over with fans instant, instantaneously to the point now we're salivating, can't wait to see Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, can't wait two years to see Black Panther and something else. You know, the way they introduce characters and the way that DC introduced characters lets you know how light years ahead Marvel is in making movies compared to DC. Yeah, I would agree with everyone. Black Panther, Spider-Man, definitely the two highlights. I stayed away from pretty much all trailers because I wanted to be surprised. I don't do that with a lot of movies, but I had a feeling this one was going to be amazing. So, I so basically to... you were off the internet for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know how I did that, but I uh, just never hit play. But So I was completely surprised by all the cameos because I literally had no idea. And that was the best part for me. I, I, I don't know. It was amazing. And like you said, new Spider-Man. Yeah. Hey, you know, amazing. I uh, avoided trailers for the new Star Wars film. Ooh. And uh, I basically had to go live in a cave for about a year. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was the most rewarding thing ever. Because really seeing is. everything for the first time in the theater was, was awesome. So trailers are cool, but if you have the discipline um, to, to withhold, then definitely you should try. Yeah. Uh, so I let's talk about, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Everybody's like, no, I don't want to do that. So. Um, so let's put you guys on the spot. We, we saw Civil War through really uh, Steve Rogers' perspective. And when it comes down to the, um, the Registration Act, or in this case, the... the Zidonia uh, Act. Sokovia, of course. Sokovia, Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the whole idea of should we let superheroes basically just make their own judgment call? Now, from the viewer's perspective, because we are so emotionally attached to Steve Rogers, and we know he's a good guy, and of course, let him do what he wants, he's going to make the right call. But if it was happening today... And we did not know have that sort of meta knowledge of Steve Rogers, and we were thinking there's like all these just dudes out there and women that are just like super powered. We don't do what they want. Like, what do you guys think? Do you feel like that Rogers on the right side, or is uh, Tony Stark with hey, we got this under control. We got to put it under the UN or some control, like you know. To remove your emotion for Steve Rogers. And are you basically you asking us, are we Team Cap or yeah, Team Iron Man? Yeah. No. Uh, I'm Team Cap. I'm still Team Cap. Okay. Even with everything. Team Cap? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anybody? <laughs> no, I got to go Team Cap as well. Um, Did you say Hail Hydra? I mean, <laughs> good. I don't, I'm Team Iron Man. Is anybody else Team Iron Man? Or just me? Okay, so I'm not alone here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Ideally, superheroes would be able to do whatever they want to do. But if you look at it pr from the perspective of because others, we really have super beings without accountability. I mean, just we again, we trust these guys and we know them. But if we didn't know them, we couldn't just let them decide on their own, right? Yeah, us as fans, it's like let them do what they want. They're superheroes, you know. But in reality, if we want to get real about it, I mean, it would be pretty hard to just take a lot of negotiating in those accords. Yeah, or you have a situation where two of these super beings fight over a city and destroy the whole thing, and you know one of them ends up snapping another guy's neck. Oh, and God. I had a feeling that's where you were going. <laughs> Man of Steel. No, um, actually, I, I answered the same sort of question in a, in a different way in another panel. Um, uh, it just as a, as from a personal perspective, with the whole thing being whether there's accountability or not, uh, I was an EMT for some time. And um, when, you're an EM, when you're an EMS and the 911 call comes in, you go to that address. You go to that address as soon as you get dispatched. If you happen to pass somebody bleeding on the ground on your way to that call, doesn't matter if that call is for somebody with a stomach ache or 
anything, you have to call that in and leave that person. You can't help this person. You could see somebody dying next to you. That doesn't matter. So if I get called to somebody who has a bellyache, right, and I'm in the ambulance, lights blazing, and I'm running down the street to go get this person to the hospital, but I see some guy who just got stabbed on the side of the street, can I stop and help this person who may die? No, because that's not the directive that I've been given. I have to go to the call that I was made to go to, despite the level, you know, it's not my choice. And when you look at this movie, you can take that same accountability. Tony Stark says, you do what we say you do. The government, you do what the government says you do. If you see somebody who really needs help, but the government wants to debate about it, too bad. You're not going to help those people. So in that respect, I am totally on team cap. You will help the people that need the help. You don't go and wait for somebody, debate team in the UN, to decide who's going to make the most money to send you where, or for whatever problem is more important than another problem. You see, there are people dying out there. You go help them. You have the power. You're a superhuman. You go help those people. That's what a hero should be. So yes, I'm 100% team cap. The thing I love about this film is that the, the action was awesome and the story was awesome and just the introduction of characters were fantastic. But I think that it, it sparked some interesting conversation. I mean, it makes you think, right? And it makes you kind of challenges your perspective about how would we handle real super beings uh, and really nice super beings, just people who have uh, all power with no accountability. Like, how would we handle that as a people? So. Very cool. Okay, so let's move on to recently X-Men. I know that maybe not all of you have had a chance to see X-Men. I'm judging you. Okay. But if you haven't, we're going to try to refrain from spoilers or anything. They all um, die. <laughs> um, and I don't know, has everyone seen Yes. Almost yes. well, you guys have seen X-Men on, on the panel. But, um, you know, that movie has also gotten some negative and some mixed reviews, and um, Rotten Tomatoes probably put it at maybe shade below 50% or so. Um, what did you feel like? You know, I, I kind of feel a little bit of the superhero fatigue, or really the X-Men fatigue with this movie. I feel like they've done six now, as, as well as some of the uh, the solo films. And so, I don't know, I'm feeling like it's feeling a little, like they're retraining a lot of the same themes. And did you guys feel that, or did you, were you energized by this movie? I mean, I think, again, it's the same thing. Like, when I went to see that movie, I was wide awake, and it wasn't holding my attention. I felt myself nodding off, because it felt like I knew everything that was coming. Um, and there was some great sequences. A lot of the new cast, the new Nightcrawler, the new Scott Summers, you know, seeing a new Jean Grey. Um, that was really exciting, but it felt like I knew exactly where their story was going to go. Um, I mean, it's hard even to tell after Days of Future Past. Where and what is the continuity of this world now? It feels so convoluted at this point that I feel like it needs to take a break and maybe just find a way to kind of course correct and restart maybe some way, shape, or form. Whether that's maybe we take a break and shift to something like X-Force and where we are following the adventures of Deadpool and Cable and a couple other people. I hope they were getting uh, X-23. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it was one of those things that there was some fun things about it. It was still a fun movie, um, but I, I don't think it was memorable. I think that was the biggest problem with it. Yeah. I think it was uh, in regards to the, uh, the, the Fox X series, I think we've, we're have we pretty heavy on DC just because you have such incredibly major, I mean parts of our pop culture for 50 years, something like that now, uh, and we were sort of sold short on that with the Marvel movies, we've now been given a level of expectation, of excellence, um, you know, from their studios and the movies they deliver to us. With Fox and the X-Men, we've kind of always been, it's always been kind of weird. And we're like, what is it, like almost eight movies in now, if you buckle in the uh, Wolverine movies, standalones and such. I think there's a point that I've hit now with these Fox X-Men movies where I just, I gave up. And I just sat down and I'm like, I don't expect anything from them. I don't expect continuity. I don't expect anything, but here's some characters I used to read in a, what is generally a convoluted comic book to begin with. Um, if you, I, I don't think that I don't like the X-Men. I'm not offending the comics. It's just that they are hard to follow. Um, and you're, you're putting them into a movie where it's kind of like, all right, you know, I, I'm just going to take it. I'm just a popcorn flick, you know, I'm not going to put too much, you know, it's like it's like Godzilla flying, you know, and uh, Godzilla or Smog Monster. You know, like you suddenly have this terror of Japan turning into a comic book character. It, or 
Yeah, I think um, the continuity is encouraging. Because you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics yeah. in the film to try to figure out how everything else syncs up. You know, it's like, why is Jubilee like forever a teenage kid? You know, and, and so there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on. Um, but there is some, there was some bright spots in the movie. It just is, um, it felt like it was kind of like an X-Men Greatest Hits, maybe, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> did did um, anyone here love the love uh, Apocalypse? I mean, is anyone here that would like to speak up and defend Danny didn't like Apocalypse, first of all. Yeah? Okay, why? Well, right. yeah, here we go. Here, right. like it. Come on, Alan. Hit me. Yeah. Speak up. I love Greatest Hits. We all love Greatest Hits. DC shows, I think, um, just with Arrow and, and Flash and Legends especially. Um, Quality-wise, though, I mean, I'd have to go with the Marvel series on, on Netflix, the Daredevil and Jessica Jones, I think, quality-wise, are just surpass all of the other ones so much, and I think 
when Punisher gets his own. Because yeah. let's be honest, that was the best part of season two, Daredevil, right? Um, when he was introduced and started kicking kids in here, but um, that was like the that was the best part, and I, and I think it's only going to get better with that and with Luke Cage, which I'm so excited about. Um, but yeah, quality wise, I mean, I would have to give it to Marvel, but DC's kind of taken over. On, on, on regular television. Chris, what do you think? I, I, as much as a Marvel fan that I am, I mean, I have to, without a doubt, go with DC on this one. The Flash has been my, I think, and I mean, and I watch a lot of TV. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I can't even, if I sat here reeling off the amount of shows that we watch per week, it's absurd. It's like the summers, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, the Flash has given exactly what I wanted from my hero shows. It's given me that emotion, that joy. It's funny that Papa Joe, I call him, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the best character on TV and I want to hug him every time he's on screen and every time nobody gives him a hug when he's upset, I yell at the TV. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I think he cries every episode. I, I, I kind of do. You, I, yeah. I, I, I do. <laughs> anyway. Um, such a such a really really well made show, and it's a going back to like why did they not cast Grant Gustin as the Flash is beyond me, um, because he just so perfectly encapsulates Barry Allen. You know, he is what we want from Barry Allen. He has the heart. He has that uh, the, just everything about it. He's such a well well made show, and the Daredevil show was fantastic. That hallway fight scene, holy yes. crap! Woo! Right? Dude. In the prison. And, oh my god. I flipped. Anyway. Now Punisher. So, and, right. And John Barenthal's Punisher. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Luke Cage was a little downplayed. That's not the Luke Cage that I was hoping for, but okay, we'll yeah. see what happens when he gets his series. Um, now, those shows were great. They were great in their own right. They'd stay true to the character. It was fantastic, but I will take the DC shows. And how excited is everybody that all four of the DC shows yeah. are now on one network so we can have big kind of crossovers? And maybe if we all write into the CW, they can bring Constantine back some more? Yeah? yeah. At least some cameos. At least some more cameos. Like an, an, a, new, a new series of cameos? Like a new Constantine series would be awesome? And I actually, uh, I'm a big fan of Supergirl. I just feel like that. It's so unashamedly optimistic, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, um, again, you live in this world where I love Arrow, but at the same time, it's like, man, sometimes it just is such a dagger. It's like someone's smile on the show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Supergirl is just, it's really Elizabeth Benoit. She's just so charming and so lovely yeah. as, a, as, a, as a protagonist. And so, so I'm super excited for her to be joining the family again. Okay, super so, excited. Yeah, Sorry. Super excited. Okay, so for our remaining few minutes, uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Uh, I feel like I'm going to award DC the winner in the, in the TV discussion because I feel like it just sort of edged out. Uh, um, but hey, again, we're all winners of this. Uh, but for our final few minutes, I want to throw out just a question of debate. In regards to Marvel and DC, two topics. Um, when it comes to, as, you know, we've all been in a discussion like, where are our female super heroines? Like, why are they not in their own movies? And, you know, Marvel's like, declare, we have officially penciled in. Black Widow, you know, <laughs> she's going to come out someday, you know, and then Wonder Woman will be waiting forever. Uh, when is she coming out? Like 10 years from now? What is it? Two years from now? <laughs> anyway. Um, Captain Marvel. But when it, Captain Marvel, for sure. And I think the the rumor is that Brie Larson is the yeah. sort of the front for that. Uh, but when it comes to female representation, heroines, who's doing it better, including TV? film altogether. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's doing it better. And unfortunately, it's not a great selection to choose from because not a lot of options. But. No, but I think in that case, I think actually DC's, I think that's the one thing DC's got the one up yeah, on, yeah. on Marvel. I mean, you've got, you've got Wonder Woman coming out, you've got Suicide Squad, which is going to be upcoming, in which they've already announced that Harley's getting her own movie that's going to include Batgirl and as well as a number of other female characters. Yeah, Birds of Prey, I think, they mentioned in there. Yeah. Supergirl already has her own show. I, I think DC's Got Marvel beat when it comes to female Arrow superheroes. Had, like twelve. Yeah. Who else? Yeah, I have to agree. And plus, I love me some some white canary. Love her. Um, but I did also love Kristen Ritter as uh, as Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. I'm like blanking here. She's been 
kind of my favorite so far. I, I just I loved what they did with her, and I thought she was I thought she was amazing. But yeah, I think I'd have to I'd have to give it to DC right now. But I'm Team Marvel, so you know, I'm excited about what's coming up for them. You know, Marvel had to leave, but I mean, when Black Widow premiered in Iron Man two, that really kind of greased the wheels. And the fact that there was no, you know, effort put into making her a standalone film, you know, before you know, Thor or Captain America. But um, right now, DC has the more the, has a plethora of female uh, uh, fighters, female superheroes, with Black Canary and White Canary and uh, Supergirl, and every and all the super villains that Supergirl fights that are of her sex. And uh, yeah, Marvel just outside of Black Widow and Jessica Jones, I really and. Scarlet Witch in the Avengers movie mm-hmm. really isn't any top-notch female superheroes to, to root for. And, right. and we had to wait two years to, to, to see them. And i got to give credit to uh, Fox for one major point in X-Men Apocalypse. Finally got a storm that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, I, I don't even know the girl's name who played her, but she had the look, she had the attitude, she just felt like the storm I knew from the comics. And that's what I had been hoping for because she is one of the strongest characters in the X-Men series. And she is the one that, I mean, technically I would rather just let Hugh Jackman retire, Wolverine, and let's get some standalone storm films because she could carry her own series hands down easily. <laughs> and Olivia Monsalak did a great job yes. standing there. Yes. Standing I think she had what maybe yeah, it was like two lines. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, last topic, we have just a couple minutes for this. Um, if you guys know or follow me at all, you know that uh, one of my favorite conversations to get into uh, when it comes to panels <laughs> is the topic of diversity and representation, uh, all, all cultures, especially in superhero films. Many of the superhero films have recently kind of gotten a magnifying glass uh, for this, Marvel and DC both. Uh, but when it comes to today, how do you feel like each studio fares when it comes to diversity, both in film and TV? As Craig shakes his head. <laughs> um, well, you just brought up Psylocke. Um, Olivia Mon is not Asian, is she? He's half Asian. Half Asian? Okay, well, then I, then I that half counts. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, Hollywood has been doing this for years. I mean, um, I mean, going all the way back to uh, Lawrence Olivier as, as Othello or David Carradine taking the role of Kung Fu from Bruce Lee because Asians weren't allowed on TV and no one would buy an Asian on television. Or Elizabeth Taylor being the Queen of Africa in The Ten Commandments. Um, they're doing it now. Charlotte Johansson's playing a, a Japanese anime character. Um, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Um, what Marvel has done is done more. They've done more for as far as diversity goes. In any, they're keeping true to the characters. Even you know, there's a generation of people that the generation of kids that only know Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson. I grew up with Nick Fury being David Hasselhoff or looking like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> so, but, but, that's, but I mean, that's what that's what makes it great. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is Harry White. Uh, Marco, Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Them being cast as black actors in, in white roles, I mean, in white comic book characters, didn't take away from the film because they were staying true to the character. And what Marvel is doing is keeping, you know, more, you know, uh, not just African Americans, but you know, ethnic uh, Americans in their casting is making it better. Black Panther, I can't believe in 2018 we got away with be the first standalone black superhero movie we've had since Blade. Yeah. And. Uh, Characters in the lead, uh, Diggle on uh, on Arrow, uh, Wally West and uh, Papa Joe, Joe on uh, on Flash, and um, uh, Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl. Um, my old grandfather was really spinning in his grave if he saw this right now. He think it was the apocalypse coming with all these, you know, interracial couples. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was the X Men apocalypse now with Marlon Brando, but that's another movie. Um, but uh, but that's the achievement. I don't see them as sidekicks. I see, I see we see them as partners. Like when Bruce Lee was uh, as Cato in Green Hornet. In China, it was called the Cato Show because he wasn't seen as a servant or a sidekick. He was seen as the partner of 
um, of the Green Hornet. That's what we're seeing now with all these African Americans and people of color, people of different races, being uh, partners of these uh, superheroes. Whether or not they'll get their own series is up for discussion, but the fact that they are such prominent roles for uh, people of diverse cultures on TV and movies now more than ever is a significant achievement. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yes, great. Great. Uh, you want to talk that? Yeah. Yeah. No. He just mic dropped. That's the interesting things that I've been reading about lately. I mean, and I'm, as well as a huge Ghost in the Shell fan, I'm just livid about Scarlett Johansson being yeah, cast. That's crazy, right? That's just dumb. Yeah. It's just, anyway, um, I saw this huge thing online uh, about uh, a young African-American girl getting cast as Hermione for a Harry Potter play in yeah. England. And people are flipping out and being cruel and being rude, and it doesn't matter. And I was actually just having this discussion earlier today where when you have an actor on the screen, it doesn't matter who it is, but that actor can take over the role and you can stop seeing them. You can stop seeing the actor playing the character and you just see the character. That's more important than anything. So the fact that, I mean, a lot of people are, are putting a lot of weight into who is cast as who, doesn't matter as much as who we see these characters as. I mean... It's important in comic books because you have a lot of history. But it see there's a lot of people arguing and fighting over the characters, like uh, the ancient one in the upcoming Doctor Strange film. I mean, we all see this character as an older Tibetan man. It was just, it's just why they didn't cast an older Tibetan man is beyond me. Because um, there are no Tibetan actors on the planet. <laughs> apparently. No, not, not a single one. Not a single one. one. <sighs> but people are just... People are being judgmental and cruel for no reason before they even see these characters played. And it just goes beyond race, and it just goes down to the core of people just being simply judgmental. And that's a problem I think we have a lot. I mean, I mean, look at the screaming and crying about, about Affleck being cast as Batman. Once he came on the screen, he was everybody's favorite part of the movie. You know, it's not like we're waiting until these actors are being given these roles. It's just that there needs to get to a point where these actors are given the roles. You know, what, what I think is hilarious is that there's so much like nervousness from studios about casting a non-traditional lead, but then coming out of Batman and Superman and Civil War, people are talking about Wonder Woman, they're talking about Black Panther, and like there's like all this enthusiasm towards these sort of unconventional, you know, heroines. So we really need that. And uh, so I'm hoping that we see maybe someday like a Miss Marvel uh, movie, you know, with a you know Muslim lead, uh, a, re- a heroine or a hero that represents the LGBT community, like just like more diversity. Because I feel like that the studios are so reluctant, mm-hmm. and yet audiences want to see it. You know, and I want to see some uh, another piece of diversity that gets overseen. Uh, I want to see Howard the Duck come back. Howard the Duck is gonna come back. So uh, as we close, Chris, tell us where can we find more of your work and tell us one movie that you're looking forward to. We're talking about we have Avengers, uh, uh, the uh, Infinity War Part 1 and 2, we have Doctor Strange, we've got uh, Suicide Squad. What's what's that? Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, Squad, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, what else are we missing? Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, anything else we're missing? Gambit. Spider-Man. Homecoming. What's that? Wonder Woman. Wait, Guardians Damn 2. Did you Guardians, Guardians 2. Guardians 2. Guardians 2. Killing Joke. Killing Joke. So just take your pick. Okay. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, tell us where you're from, work, and then what one movie are you looking forward to most? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NerdBaseGo. N-E-R-E-B-A-S-E-G-O. Uh, nerd-base.com is our website, updated irregularly. And the movie I'm most strongly looking forward to, I don't even know if it... mm, That's You know what? I'm not going to pick a comic book movie. Nuts to that, because there are just too many coming out, too many to pick from. I'm excited for all of them. I'm going to see... I'm excited to see what Ridley Scott is doing with Blade Runner. Oh, okay. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Um... You can find Pure Fandom, purefandom.com. Um, we just launched an app, so Pure Fandom app. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Pure underscore Fandom, Pure Fandom on Facebook, uh, YouTube, just Google Pure Fandom and you can figure it out. Um, I'm going to pick, i got to pick two. I have to say Guardians 2 because 
It's my all-time favorite. Um, and Suicide Squad. I'm really, really excited to see how that goes. The uh, early reviews are very positive. So, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, for me, uh, you can always find me at caffeinecrew.com. Uh, and also one of the other big things is DC Primetime, the podcast that me and Ben do, uh, which covers Arrow, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. Week in and week out, we're actually doing our annual shows starting next week, doing one show per week, just talking about the whole seasons. And um, for me, i got to say Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, Tara Strong, animated version of The Killing Joke. Could not be more excited for that. So fine. Uh, as I mentioned before, I am the co-creator of a podcast network, at which you can find us at nextlevelradioonline.com. We're on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. Uh, all of our podcasts, all of our content, event coverage, and such is all there on the website. Uh, Facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline as well. Uh, I do the podcast, as Rob mentioned, with him, in which Craig has been on, Chris has been yep. on. Yep. No, I Yes, you have. You Stop lying to me. <laughs> this is the same argument as last year. Um... Oh, and we're always looking to add new podcasts, so if anybody's ever interested in starting a podcast or beginning a podcast, you can either email me through any of them, or you can even see me after the panel, uh, and I'll give you some more information. As far as movies go, uh, the DC side, Killing Joke, as Rob had mentioned, uh, but Marvel, Gambit's always been a huge favorite of mine, so I want to see what they do with Gambit. Is that happening for sure? I keep hearing that, like... It's back and forth. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'll take Deadpool 2 over Gambit. I'm fine with that. Craig Logans, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm the only person named Craig Logans on social media, so you should have no trouble finding me at all. Um, uh, hopefully, I'll be a guest on one of the other podcasts, and I'm looking to maybe have my own podcast one day. Who knows? Um, and I, when I get asked this question, what movie am I looking forward to on Marvel, or what superhero movie I'm looking forward to the most, the next one, because... Excited to uh, to check out the new movie. Yeah, the man. first one seemed to be lacking a couple of things. I think the second one though looks better than the first, which doesn't happen a lot in sequels. So yeah, what, what I, do you think? I think that the second one is better than the first one. You know, that there were things that the producer and obviously I wasn't part of the first one. Um, I'm not the sole reason the second one is better. There are a variety of reasons. Um, uh, I'd like to think that I contribute. But, uh, you know, the producers have said on the first one that there, there were elements of the story and tone that they were still really trying to discover as they were shooting the movie and even in post-production. Whereas I feel like when we did this movie, day one, we hit the ground running. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew what the tone wanted to be. And it, everyone felt like they were pulling in the same direction. Yeah, and I mean, it, it seems to tug on the nostalgia a little bit, too. Did yeah. you? Were you a fan of all the... Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was a fan of, like, the... I was a fan of the uh, the original live action films and. Oh yeah, except Turtles in Time. What's that? Except the third one. I don't remember the third yeah. one that well. I remember it the wasn't first. That good. I remember the first. <laughs> I remember the first two pretty well. Um, but yeah, I was a big fan, so it was very cool to, you know, you got to lean on that stuff. Like, you got to create a movie that that someone you know in in their thirties can enjoy, and then also someone that's just like, you know, 
12 years old, eight years old, discovering the turtles for the first time, you want them to be able to enjoy it too. So I, I think, um, you know, seasons one and two of Arrow were very grounded in reality, and then yeah. they brought in kind of the supernatural aspect. Do you think the last couple seasons of Arrow prepared you a little bit for being on screen with imaginary turtles? Well, yes, but not necessarily because of the style of storytelling. Um, Arrow will always be the most important job that I ever have in my career, even if it's not the biggest job that I ever have in my entire career, for the simple reason that over the past four years I've filmed 92 episodes of television, eight days an episode, and that's just, and you know, 14 hour days. And any way you slice it, that's just a lot of fucking work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you get better as an actor. You have no choice. So in, from that standpoint, I was prepared to come on and do a big movie uh, because of the work that I got to do on Arrow. Like I said, I mean, we're big big fans of Arrow. We've talked to Paul. We've talked to yep. Bam Bam. We've talked yeah. to Slim Jade. Do you hope it gets back to that kind of kick-ass type of TV in season five? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had to do a lot of work on behalf of other properties over the past couple of years right. and have had to introduce elements that weren't the core, like, driving forces of the show when it was originally conceived. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a show has to evolve, but um, we're doing some things this year that take us back to that, take us back to that level. And, you know, I'm a caretaker for Oliver Queen and a custodian for the character for the time being, and... I want him to be a badass as much as anyone else. One last one. When are we going to see another episodes of, episode of Dudes Being Dudes in Wine Country? Uh, my buddy Drew and I actually just did a deal with a production company, and we're going to pitch it to some networks because um, the logistical uh, elements of putting together an episode on our own were too much for us, So, which is a long way of saying it is going to happen again, <laughs> but I'd say probably next year. Okay. Very good. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Thanks very much.